The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology, faster than thought possible, to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Greetings, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Got a lot of stuff to talk about on today's program. Coming up, we've got some updates from Lansing on the gerrymandering case. We'll also talk about what is going on with the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act, if anything. Attorney General Dana Nessel says she's going to make some sort of a move, but still asking the legislature to do something about this. We'll talk about that. And, of course, we'll begin today's program talking about the very curious case of Governor Northam out of Virginia. The national controversy surrounding that. And, of course, I'll have some thoughts on the Super Bowl yesterday. So stay with us on the Craig Folly Show here on Deadline Detroit. Lots coming up. Let's begin today's program talking about what is happening in Virginia. And I'm not sure if you've been paying attention, but Governor Ralph Northam there is finding himself in a lot of trouble. He's basically in his second year in office in that state. He's had a couple of very successful years in terms of moving moving bills forward, making some changes in that state. He, of course, has enjoyed cooperation from both parties, which is somewhat unusual in this day and age. But, of course, he then finds himself embroiled in controversy in that there was a yearbook picture from his medical school yearbook in 1984 showing him either in blackface or in a KKK uniform, one of the two, both of the people in the photograph holding on to a beer, which makes it seem like it's some sort of a Halloween party, something along those lines. Now, of course, the chorus of people suggesting he needs to resign has been very, very loud. And on Friday, he allegedly admitted to being in that photo, but then on this, during his press conference on Saturday in which he insisted he was not going to resign, reversed course and said he was not either of the people in that photo. But then he came out and said there was a time when he did dress in blackface, imitating Michael Jackson for a dance competition while in college. Either way, wearing blackface or a KKK uniform, even a jest, is not acceptable in this day and age. Granted, 1984 was 30 years ago, 35 years ago now at this point in time, but I was a kid then. I don't remember anybody wearing blackface to Halloween costumes, and I certainly don't remember anybody wearing KKK uniforms to costume parties in that day and age. It's just not something that was done. Now, given the atmosphere that we're in, in this country right now, the state of race relations as they are, it makes sense that people would be asking for him to resign. And it makes sense for him to potentially be resisting that call to resign, suggesting these are things that happened a long time ago. Some people have rushed to compare what is in his yearbook to what was in the yearbook of Brett Kavanaugh. Two different things entirely. Again, the racial insensitivity of that costume, even if he wasn't in the picture, why is it in his page? Why is it on his page in his yearbook? Saying that, yes, it was me, and then, no, it wasn't me. Reversing course. And, of course, everybody on both the Republican and Democratic side is suggesting that this guy needs to step down. And before one sits there and says that this is a partisan thing, yes, Republicans were the first ones to call for him to step down, but it made sense given the type of offense that we're talking about. Blackface is something that has taken people down in recent years. And we are sort of getting to a point where we're seeing a sort of a Me Too movement when it comes to racial stuff. Stuff that you might have thought was funny when you were 20-something years old in med school isn't funny. It wasn't funny then. 
And just to give you a little story to compare here, I went to a meeting several years ago in Gross Point Park. They were talking about racial reconciliation and doing a better job in Gross Point Park in the wake of some police activity. And so I hosted this panel discussion that took place there, and I brought with me a prop, and it was my yearbook from 1985, Gross Point South High School. And on it, the cover of it is a picture of a Confederate flag. And as I showed this prop to people as part of this discussion, there were audible gasps in the audience, especially from the African-American members. They were shocked that this took place. They were shocked that they routinely would have a Confederate flag at football games and somebody running on the field with that flag as a way to get the crowd riled up. Now, that's just a symbol of the South, and that was bad enough. Now, when you consider that somebody shows up at a party thinking it's funny for one person to be in blackface and the other to be dressed in a KKK outfit, well, that's akin to showing up at a party dressed up as a Nazi and a Jewish concentration camp victim. Nobody would do that. That would not be acceptable. It's not funny. And while Northam may have showed bad judgment, and he certainly did, he shouldn't be surprised at the problems that are coming down on him now. And the fact that nobody found this, nobody saw this before, he didn't admit this before, doesn't make any sense to me. Somebody knew about this. And the problem is, is that this is a guy who was actually well-liked. Somebody Republicans could see working with. Democrats were pretty happy with his accomplishments. Yet the chorus is only going to grow louder for him to step down. Maybe it dies down for a little bit, maybe it doesn't. But I have this odd feeling that this is not going to go away anytime soon and that Northam is going to have to pay the piper at some point in time for an incredibly stupid lapse in judgment. Blackface is something we've been wrestling with this in, country, in this country for a long time. It's not acceptable anymore. And what's your motivation for doing it? If you thought it was funny, even back in 1984, that wasn't funny. It's not acceptable. And the Democrats, to their credit almost to a person, have suggested that the man needs to step down. Joe Biden being the lone person right now, not the lone person, but one of the few, saying that maybe he should just be allowed to ride it out and, and keep working and uh, keep doing his job. I'm not sure he can. Because the loss of trust, the loss of faith with other members of your own party, and of course across the aisle, is something that is going to be incredibly difficult to repair. That damage is not going to be easy to fix. And what does it say? to your cabinet appointees who are African-American? What does it say to your lieutenant governor pick who's African-American about how you feel about race relations and how seriously you take the struggle of African-Americans in the United States that you're willing to make a joke about this? Even in 1984, you're in your 20s at that point in time, you should know better. And what about the Virginia Military Institute, where this came from? What does it say about their legacy? They've been, they've been quick to distance themselves from this, doing their best to sit there and say, well, this isn't representative of what we're about as a campus. <sighs> Virginia's got a long history here and one that it's still trying to deal with. And if you're going to send a message about Confederate monuments, if you're going to send a message about the need to eliminate that memory or at least the celebration of the memory of Jefferson Davis and the Confederacy and what it represented and what it really represented, not states' rights, but the right to own slaves then I think you're going to have to do something about this. The legacy of the Ku Klux Klan is not a laughing matter. It's a terror organization that is responsible for the deaths of untold numbers of African Americans and a fear and intimidation campaign that continues to this day, rooted in an outdated notion of racial superiority, rooted in outdated paranoia, rooted in outdated notions. It's not funny now. It wasn't funny then. It's never been funny. It's only been serious. It's only been deadly. And it's a legacy that Virginia needs to scrub. It's a legacy they need to own up to. 
just like we're talking about here in Dearborn, about the story about Henry Ford last week and the fact that Bill McGraw got fired for writing an article that actually exposed the history of Henry Ford. And it wasn't even exposing stuff that's new. It was just bringing it to light so we could learn how this stuff is still being used to this day. This is the state where Charlottesville happened just a year and a half ago. Virginia deserves better, and they need to send a message about what they stand for. Mr. Northam, I think you should resign for the good of your state, for the good of your state's reputation. We'll see if he actually follows any of that advice. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor, and The Trip, wise relationship advice with hosts Megan Slattery and Tracy Evans. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Welcome back to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit for this Monday. Thanks very much for being with me. And I just wanted to update you on a couple of things that are happening. Oh, up Lansing Way, State Capitol. As you know, I like to keep you abreast of things that are taking place there because they matter. They matter quite a bit. And we do have a couple of updates. In fact, most notably, I wanted to update you on what's going on with this ongoing lawsuit in regards to Michigan's congressional districts and state House and Senate lines and and the gerrymandering um, that the suit alleges took place after the 2010 census. Of course, Democrats have been complaining about these lines for a long time. I updated you last week on the fact that Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson was looking to settle this suit. And what they were going to do is not mess with any of the state Senate lines for fear of cutting some people's terms short and not mess with any of the congressional lines in advance of the redraw that's going to take place anyway as a result of the ballot initiative that was passed by voters this past November. That'll, of course, take place sometime after uh, 2020, and we'll probably have new lines by the 2022 election. Now, what was proposed here, though, of course, was this settlement that would allow about 11 House districts to be redrawn in the hopes of minimizing the amount of disruption to the system. However, that settlement has been rejected. A three-judge panel for the U.S. District Court of the Eastern District of Michigan had denied a motion by the Democratic Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson to settle that suit. Okay, that happened on Friday afternoon, so one of those late afternoon you know, news dumps there. Now, they didn't do it that way on purpose. It's just they needed to expedite this because this case is supposed to go to trial next week, which is a big deal. So basically, this is now going to go to trial next week. And so we're going to see what happens. Now, the whole thing, if... Again, the courts rule that Michigan was illegally gerrymandered will redraw everything, more than likely, in advance of the 2022 election. Now, Republicans did not want this because they thought that this was an attempt by Jocelyn Benson to steal back the House in advance of the next election cycle, redraw the lines, and basically have an opportunity to redraw them in favor of the Democrats. That was their argument, and the judge, three-judge panel agreed that this should not go forward at this time. Now, here's what the judges ruled on this one. They said that uh, Jocelyn Benson lacked uh, the authority to enter into the settlement without the support of the GOP-controlled Michigan legislature. And, of course, they were not about to give her that approval. They don't want to see these lines changed in advance of the 2020 election. So you had a bunch of people on the Republican side who basically intervened and said, no, we don't want this to happen. And the courts agreed. 
And the judges also wrote that the proposed settlement, quote, would invalidate maps that were approved and enacted by the Michigan legislature. And the Michigan Constitution gives the Michigan legislature, not any political subdivision, the authority to enact laws to regulate the time, place, and manner of all elections. So that's an interesting reading right there. Now, it doesn't mean the federal courts have not been willing to take a look at these cases. They certainly have, as we have seen in places like Maryland and North Carolina. So this is going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm not going to be able to go to the court every day, but I know there will be people there every single day watching this very carefully, and I'm going to check in with those people to make sure you get the latest information. But as we speak right now, it looks like this thing is going to trial, and we will get some sort of a ruling at some point from the federal courts. And again, this is going to be on an expedited schedule because they don't want to get uh, to a situation where those lines are not redrawn in time for the next election if indeed they rule that there is something wrong with Michigan's current political lines. A lot of you think that there are problems. Others say to the victors belong the spoils, the lines are fine, and it hasn't caused any problems. Well, a judge is going to decide that now, and we'll find out. And this could go all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. You never know. Anyway, I wanted to make sure you had an update on that case. Now, something else that I wanted to update you on. And this was interesting, I thought, as well, because one of the things that I've been watching very closely is what's going to happen when it comes to LGBTQ rights here in the state of Michigan. This has not been an easy situation. You've had a number of legal battles in recent years here in the state, differing opinions from attorneys general past and now present as to exactly what the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act means. Now, you may recall the Michigan Civil Rights Commission last year moved to hear cases of discrimination, job discrimination, housing discrimination based on sexual orientation and sexual identity. That's not something that they were doing before. And in fact, there was an opinion from Attorney General Bill Schutte, a Republican at the time, that said that no, they should not be able to do that. There's been a fight as to whether or not his opinion carries the weight of law or whether or not the commission was within their rights to hear these cases. Now, Dana Nessel has been pressured to come up with an opinion to take a look at that as well. And so she could probably issue another opinion that says, no, um, you know, the, 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 it's not wrong to interpret the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act that way, and that any relation to sexuality is not just limited to men and women, but it's limited to all aspects of sexuality. That's what the Civil Rights Commission is arguing right now. Now, Dana Nessel says she is going to issue an opinion on this or could issue an opinion, but she is actually asking the legislature to do something about permanently amending the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act. That is unlikely to happen. If you listen to this program at all, you heard that there is staunch opposition, especially in the House of Representatives. House Speaker uh, Lee Chatfield is a very, very conservative, uh, religiously conservative member of the House of Representatives. If he's not up for it, it's unlikely that it's going to get past him and get any sort of a hearing in the Michigan House. So any movement by the current legislature on the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act and amending it to include sexual orientation and identity for LGBTQ rights is highly unlikely. So Dana Nessel could issue an opinion, and that would free up the Civil Rights Commission to actually hear these discrimination cases, but there's still going to be a legal question as to whether or not the rulings come up with by the Civil Rights Commission are valid. Somebody's going to argue in court that there's a a religious freedom argument here, and it's going to get bogged down. The legislature right now, the Republicans in the legislature argue that this is about civil liberties. This is about religious liberty. And this is one of those questions where when does one right trample another? Do I, as a human being, have a right not to be discriminated against for my sexuality? Does that supersede somebody's right to practice their religion the way they see fit? 
This is the ground that the U.S. Supreme Court has not been fully willing to tread yet. They've got a couple of cases that have been out there in front of them, but they've been kicking it back to the lower courts. And somebody's going to sue here. And at some point, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to actually have to take a stand on what it means to have full civil rights and who is eligible for those and what people can and cannot expect. And don't think that this is a done deal or simple or because there's logic involved. You remember, this is the same country that for a long time said that uh, African-Americans were worth three-fifths of a person, that said that women didn't have the right to vote. So these things move slowly. Think how long it took to get to marriage, marriage equality. And there's still people fighting aspects of that. But to be able to go to your job and know you're not going to get fired simply because your boss doesn't like the way that you live your life, based on their religious values, based on whatever they think, that's something that we need to address. People should not have to live with this constant fear that if they're found out or, or they have a, a relationship or they have something going on in their life that their employer doesn't like for somewhat quote-unquote moral reasons, that they can be fired for that. We need to get this done. And while I agree with Dana Nessel on the fact that, yes, she could write an opinion, and she likely will because she's been asked to, but ultimately it is up to the legislature to do this. Ultimately, it is up to the legislature to make a statement, one way or the other, on how they feel and what they value and what they think of equal rights for all people. That'll speak volumes for where we are as a state. And as I've said time and time again, you do things like this, it sends a message about what kind of a state you are and the type of people that occupy it. I, for one, think that this is something that needed to have been done a long time ago. I'm not expecting the legislature to act anytime soon on it, but I hope they do. But it appears, at least, that there is some movement from the Attorney General's office on this question. Whether it's enough remains to be seen. I have a feeling, again, this is something that will be duked out in court for a long time, and it's going to be time for the U.S. Supreme Court to stand up and show us what they're thinking. Because until they do, we're going to be stuck in this limbo. And for a whole lot of people out there, that's just not acceptable. Stay with us. This is The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Okay, I figured I'd wrap up the program today talking just a little bit about the Super Bowl. I mean, of course, it is a national holiday almost, although I thought I always think they should do it on Saturday, so everybody's got Sunday to relax a little bit, but maybe they should just, you know, make Monday a holiday. Put the Super Bowl near President's Day every year, or Martin Luther King Day, so everybody gets that Monday off. I don't know. That would dilute those holidays. I'm just not making that a real suggestion, but again, it is as close to a national holiday as we get without it being an actual holiday. So yesterday, of course, the hype is there and everybody's geared up to watch the commercials and get their food and watch the game. Although, let's be honest, this game lost a little bit of its shine when the New England Patriots made it once again. Now, I have nothing against the Patriots. They are a model franchise. Uh, They should be what every franchise aspires to. You don't win six Super Bowls in the amount of time they have. Uh, go to nine Super Bowls in 20 years. I mean, this is an unbelievable run, something that's unheard of in professional football. And there's one dude at the center of it all, and that's Tom Brady. Of course, part of me, as a kid who grew up watching Michigan football, likes Tom Brady. He's a Michigan guy. We love that. He's unbelievable. He's in his 40s, and he's still winning Super Bowls. 
that's fantastic and it's something to something to to just witness and and shake your head at, at how he's able to still do it how he's able to still walk down the street let alone play football but anyway that was sort of secondary. The, the hoopla around the Super Bowl has gotten to such an extreme point that, you know, there are stores and grocery stores that count on this day to be as big a sales day for them as Thanksgiving and Christmas. In fact, the Super Bowl is sometimes bigger than both of those holidays, depending on, on what you're into. And the commercials on the Super Bowl... We spend entire days wondering who's going to have commercials, who's not going to be at the, at the Super Bowl, who's not going to pay $20 million bucks or whatever it is for a 30-second spot at the Super Bowl, which is an ungodly number. Think about that. You can advertise on this program, uh, oh, I'll do it for a million. We'll be just fine. How about that? That's sarcasm, by the way, folks. It doesn't cost that much. Either way, think about it. $20 million bucks for a 30-second spot that is going to then be analyzed and either forgotten about, ripped apart, or lauded the next day. I watched them all. Not a lot stood out to me yesterday. There were a couple of funny moments. The Game of Thrones ad I thought was kind of clever with, uh, with the Bud Light crossover. But the other Bud Light stuff with the corn syrup, I didn't even think beer was made with corn syrup. I guess I didn't really care. It's beer. So you're trying to sit there and, and, yeah, what's up with healthy beer? Do you see all the commercials that are saying, oh, we have organic beer. This is healthy beer. Oh, my God, it's beer. It's alcohol. Whatever health benefits you're getting from that are offset by the alcohol that you're putting in your body. I like beer as much as anybody else, so don't get me wrong. But let's please not suggest that this is some sort of pomegranate juice or something like that. It just isn't. The antioxidants and all that nonsense. Anyway, silliness. But one commercial that I did find value in yesterday was Google's translator commercial showing how people around the world are connecting, utilizing a service that Google is making available. Now, I'm a Star Trek fan, right? Love that show. And one of my favorite things is is something that they had on there called the Universal Translator, so that no matter where these aliens were from, you could find a way to communicate based on some root sounds and languages, things like that. What a cool idea. And it's something that we're starting to see come to fruition. The ability to communicate with each other, understand each other, is critical. This technology is only going to get better, and it's going to be one of those things. When you're traveling, you could put a Bluetooth thing in your ear, and while somebody is speaking to you in their native language, you can understand it in your native language. It'll be piping right into your ear. It's like having a little translator with you at all times. We're not that far away. And that just got me thinking. For all the problems we have with technology, and we'll talk about some of that stuff this week too when it comes to the way that we're manipulated in voting situations and things like that by bots and all that sort of stuff. There's some new stories out there that I want to get to later in the week. For all of the things that technology does to scare us, there are so many things that it's going to do to make our lives better and to make our world better. And that just gave me a little glimpse and something to be thankful about on a day that otherwise didn't deliver a whole lot excitement-wise. But if that's what I left yesterday with, thinking about that commercial and how this is a stride uh, in, in just in an amazing direction, well, then I'm going to take that and be happy with it. Congrats to the Patriots fans out there. I know you're excited. Rams fans not feeling too great about yesterday's game. And for those of you who just wanted an exciting game and and a lot of fun, well, none of that really happened either. But what are you going to do? It is the Super Bowl. And we'll be back next year. You know we will. Let's just hope the Lions one of these days are actually there. I'm not counting on it, but hey, there's always hope.
This has been the Craig Folly Show here on Deadline Detroit. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening today. I certainly do appreciate it. If you have any questions or comments, get back to me. Send me an email, thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Meanwhile, tell your friends about us. Spread the word. Share it. Let people know that you're listening, that we're out there, because they're starting to find it. But I need more. We always need more people. And the more I hear from you, the better the show is going to get. So thanks for listening, and I'll hear from you, I hope, very soon. Have a great day. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services.